This is The Instigators, presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. We are going to Thanks for joining us again for Instigators Overtime. Marty, we're going down the executive path once again inside the Sabres offices in just a moment with Associate General Manager Jason Carmanos on this week's podcast. Have you ever considered going into the hockey operations department at an executive level? Um, yeah, I've considered it, and uh, I think I will consider it again. Uh, not that I've approached it or, or made the steps toward it, but I, I really like my, my position as an analyst and working uh, as an ambassador and working with you and doing all that we do. But I do think at some point um, I want to grow myself and uh, you know, and, and that path is one that I will explore. So uh, funny you say that Jason Carmanos is an associate general manager. I wish that when I was a backup goaltender, they said, Marty is the associate starter. So not the assistant, not the backup, but the associate starter. I think it rings a better bell, don't you? Marty, we are responsible, aren't we, in our current positions to perhaps not only change the narrative sometimes, but change the language of the game. I think you're onto something here. I, am I your associate or you're my associate? That's what no, I no, want to know. I, I think we should <laughs> never use the word backup goaltender ever again. Associate I, I goalie. Uh, yeah. Associate. I love it. Well, here's the thing. We're always trying to, you know, keep it on the rails and we're going to do so with a guy who's got a ton of experience at the executive level in Jason Carmanos. And when you're serious about the game, bet on Buffalo at the only sports books in Western New York. Seneca Resorts and Casinos betting counters are open daily and self-service betting kiosks are available 24-7 at all three locations. That would be Seneca Niagara, Allegheny, or Buffalo Creek. And the Sports Lounge features the latest lines and multiple screens so you never miss a play. The sports book at Seneca Resorts and Casinos where the love of the game meets the thrill of the win. Jason, I feel like we're still kind of very much in this pandemic mode. I can only imagine what that does for your schedule or sometimes lack thereof on a daily and weekly basis right now. Yeah, everyone's having to adjust, you know, and that goes for uh, scouts and management. You know, you put your schedule together and, you know, then you cross your fingers and hope uh, hope all the games actually take place. So present some challenges, but everybody's just trying to roll with it the best we can. Let me ask you how does that work? So do scouts provide you with their schedule or does it go directly to Kevin Adams? How does the hockey department kind of adjust working and making sure that everybody's out there seeing games and making sure that they, they look over their prospects and uh, the kids coming up? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Basically every team in the league uses the same software system. There's one company that's kind of hooked into uh, schedules and rosters and everything. And, and so uh, this software system uh, has a scheduling component to it. And yeah, all the scouts load their schedules uh, into the software system. And we, you know, we can uh, always uh, in the office, you know, know where scouts are planning on being. And that goes for myself as well. You know, load my schedule in there, um, you know, just uh, for ease of uh, knowing where everybody's going to be and to make sure we have the proper coverage. Yeah, this the, this pandemic and this situation is is added a layer of complexity for sure because uh, you know normally you'd you'd be able to plan 
uh, you know, scheduling from uh, either an amateur scouting or pro scouting or a player development standpoint. Um, and then you'd be able to bank on it because, you know, the games were scheduled. Well, um, that's not the case anymore. <laughs> so, um, and unfortunately, you can find out a few hours before the game sometimes. So it's it's difficult, but, you know, everybody's kind of gotten used to it at this point, I think. And, you know, uh, feel bad, you know, mostly for the kids, uh, especially when, when they have uh, games or, uh, you know, um, just opportunities that are taken away from them. So it's uh, it's difficult, but we're all doing our best. It, it sounds like, Jason, that that schedule you speak of, that software almost uh, maybe, hopefully, uh, updates in real time. Because Marty and I know that the league's website sometimes has a little difficulty adjusting to postponements, and it takes a while to catch up, doesn't it, Marty? <laughs> well, yesterday, funny enough, on Wednesday night, Montreal at Boston is playing, but on the schedule, Boston at Montreal is postponed. And I'm sure for the casual fan, that gets very complicated when there's the same teams are playing. One is on the schedule, one is postponed. And so, uh, but yeah. because Duffer asked you this, I want to know. So the real-time stats in the NHL, I mean, you've been around a long time. The guys that take time on ice, shots, blocks. Now that we have player tracking, is there going to be a transition? Because just the other night, there was problems with shift lengths and there was Rasmus Dallin at a six and a half minutes shift. Like that's impossible. Like is, is there conversation? Do you have conversation to make sure that those are really accurate because it helps you in doing your job? Yeah. You know, fortunately now these days we have, we have other sources of data, you know, so um, we're not relying on the NHL uh, real time uh, scoring stats anymore uh, for what we use internally. Um, for what the coaches use, for, for what everybody in the organization uses. Unfortunately, um, yeah, you guys, you guys don't have that yet, right? So, um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, those guys up there, they're, they're doing the best they can. And, you know, sometimes, you know, balls get dropped. There's a lot of moving parts, you know, keeping track of the game as it's going on. So I, I respect the job they have and the difficulty oh, yeah. of it, uh, for sure. Um, but, you know, fortunately for us, we, we have we have better data that goes through, a, you know, quality control process, especially after the fact, too. But um, it's better, uh, you know, in real time. And it's and it's certainly better uh, after the fact in terms of uh, just, the, you know, the quality of the data and, and the, uh, you know, the depth of it. So. Uh, so anyways, yeah, it's it's come a long way since I've started for sure. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, I don't know, you know, uh, in terms of like transition, don't want to, you know, take anybody out of a job. I mean, there are always other things to do on a game night basis, but, um, I'm not aware of any plans to, you know, change that process, at least in the short term. Uh, okay. that's, you know, that would be a league decision, obviously. Gee, I'm really torn here, Jason. I don't know whether we should lobby you publicly right now, since we're kind of on air with you to get access to your proprietary information or whether we should do this behind closed doors. Yeah. Well, yeah, you can keep working on us. You can work on Sam. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. It'd be hey, a tough one. Well, there's the segue. There's the segue. One of the big tasks for you was coming in and building the analytics department. So let's dive right in talk about who you've hired. We know the names, but if you say the names and attach some of their great qualities to it, I think it'll give people uh, a lot better perspective on what exactly you're building here. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know you guys have had a chance to talk to Sam Ventura. Um, you know, when I, uh, when I got the job in Pittsburgh, uh, in 2014, coming there with Jim Rutherford, um, that was, uh, that was a main task, uh, there as well. Uh, get, uh, 
that organization up to speed on use of analytics. And that was quite a while ago now. So, you know, we didn't have everything at our disposal that we have disposal that we have now. Um, but uh, had a consultant at the time and needed a more sort of full-time solution and, and move towards a, you know, a more modern approach um, in terms of integrating that type of information into the decision-making process. So, um, you know, quite frankly, I, uh, uh, I stalked Sam Ventura on Twitter, uh, you know, kind of like followed him that way among other people as well, tried to get a handle for the, uh, for the people that were out there doing all this work in the public sphere. Um, and it was honestly just a fortunate coincidence that Sam ended, ended up being a Pittsburgher, you know, right around the corner uh, from the building, literally. Um, had this website at the time with a colleague of his, War on Ice, um, that was great. And, um, and he was just a, you know, really impressive guy that I was fortunate to, uh, you know, find at the right time, right place, um, developed a relationship, brought him into the, to the Penguins organization as a consultant uh, initially. And then he became full-time and a big part of our success there in, in my mind. Um, so I was really, really surprised um, that he wasn't under a contract long term with the Penguins going forward um, last July. And again, very lucky, I think, to be able to bring him here um, as the centerpiece of, of that department uh, moving forward. So um, the amount of interest that Sam, uh, that we received as an organization, but Sam was the one uh, soliciting the re resumes for you know, the positions that we uh, decided to fill in data scientists and data engineer, um, it was overwhelming um, and, and really cool, you know, to see that level of interest, um, you know, needed certain skill sets, uh, as I, I think, I believe Sam, you know, talked to you guys about, you know, there's a lot of, of, of work uh, that's done behind the scenes with, with the data that's available now. Um, it's not just, uh, here you go, you know, here's all the information. It's, it's working with the information, you know, coming to unique conclusions. Um, there's actual research that goes on and, and, and on that side of things, um, uh, that, uh, it's pretty exciting in terms of, you know, you're not gonna, you're not gonna, you know, uh, you know, turn the game upside down, but you're looking for just that tiny little edge anywhere you can get it, you know, I, my opinion is that you know NHL teams are are all populated with smart people that are working hard and extremely competitive people. So, you know the the difference uh, between organizations, between success and and not having success is is such a fine fine line. So you're always looking for that that little edge. And so we're hoping that uh, you know. I know we're really excited that, you know, Dominic Gallimini and Matt Barlow are here now. Uh, those are the two guys that have been brought in in the positions that we had so much interest interest from. Um, and, uh, you know, away we go. We have what I think is one of the strongest analytics departments in the league. And so we're poised to make sure that that part of our organization uh, helps us in our decision making. Um, you know, in, in every respect. So excited about that. So it's definitely, uh, it's good that we're moving forward now with that group. 
Now, at the NHL level, that's a lot easier. You're getting a lot of data. Can you get the same data and same analysis at the AHL level with the Rochester Americans, or is there a difference between the two and what you get and gather? Yeah. Well, the difference now is this brand new tracking uh, data at the, at the NHL level. So that's not available anywhere else yet. Um, but in recent years, um, you know, in the American League for sure, in recent years, we're picking up uh, – basically all of the leagues uh, now through various sources. So it, it depends on exactly, you know, each, uh, each league in terms of what you're, what you're getting um, from each league uh, differs a little bit, but we're getting to the point now, especially in the last two, three seasons where we have so much more data available on, uh, you know, on, on the amateur side, you know, in preparation for the draft. Uh, which is huge, you know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, and especially huge as you move forward and start to have comparisons over years um, and start to figure out, um, you know, uh, things that matter over time in terms of projections. That's an extremely difficult part of our business that I think I've talked about with you guys before that the projection aspect, you know, um, you know, how young these kids are when we're drafting them. Um, so, you know, you have obviously have the, the big differences for, you know, in terms of where they're playing, um, you know, the level of competition, um, you know, the, the, the issues that, that we have to deal with, with uh, draft eligible players playing with men versus draft eligible players playing at lower levels among their peers um, and, and trying to make sense of that in terms of a, a, from a projection standpoint. Uh, when some players and usually top level players are playing just a handful of minutes with men, um, you know, uh, you end up uh, putting a lot of eggs into uh, certain baskets like, uh, you know, an under 18 tournament and, you know, uh, you know, a short period of time where they're playing with their peers. So there's, there's always going to be difficulties like that. It's not going to be, uh, you know, a perfect uh, formula where you, you know, dump it into a computer and suddenly the computer tells you, okay, here's your draft, uh, here's your draft list. But it's a process of managing all the information. I think in all respects in your organization. So, might be on the amateur side, might be on the pro side, might be coaching player development, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Like it's the same task. I, in my mind, in all respects, you're, you're, you're taking as much information as you can gather um, and trying to, you know, bring it together in a, in a coordinated manner that helps you make better decisions. So, um, you know, Sam's department, uh, the analytics department is obviously central to that, but it, it doesn't replace the other, uh, information that we gather in our organization and, uh, and certainly just the, 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 uh, the, the apps, the, the, the things that remain, you know, coaching, developing players, you know, bringing them along over time. All these things are important to, to hopefully get to where we want to get to. It's all so fascinating. I love it. We could literally spend hours because I have a million questions, but I'm <laughs> trying to get inside that answer, which I think was really detailed, but what is your gut tell you as far as where the analytics and your department might be helping you most in the short term is it in the drafting because you've got more information is it at the ahl level to project those guys that you can call up and maybe have success or is it helping most at the nhl level to to weed out players potentially that 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 can't help you as much or conversely 
can really help you in a third or fourth line or role like that? Yeah, it's hard to say in the short term what particular area it's helping more. I, I don't really view it that way that, you know, that, you know, we have uh, an impact that's greater in any one area. I think where we are as an organization right now, um, you know, drafting and developing, that's it, what it's all about. I mean, I know it's uh, it's been a period of time here with this organization, and it's probably something that's been said before, but, you know, it that's where we are. Um, you know, we have to draft well, we have to develop well, we have to make the right decisions with the draft picks that we have um, over time, build relationships with them, understand how they project um, and do the best we can with that. You know, I've been been in this long enough to know that even if you, you know, work as hard as we work and do everything we do to, to make the right decisions, it's not always going to go the right way each time. Like it's just the nature of our business, especially when you're you know, when you're dealing with with kids that are so young and they're developing physically and um, emotionally, um, you know, it's 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 not a perfect uh, projection. You know, uh, no matter what people say, that's just the truth. It's you're going to make some mistakes. You have to be aware of that. Um, it's trying to minimize them um, and and doing the best we can. That's that's really what we're trying to do. Trying to put the pieces in place to make the best decisions possible. So if we look ahead now, uh, we are in January. In March, there's a trade deadline. Um, I wonder, how does it work? Do you only talk to assistant general managers? Do you talk to actual GM? Did they call you or did they have to go through Kevin to get to you? Like, how does the conversation work when you get you guys get ready for, let's say, the trade deadline or later in the summer, free agency, like the agents and, and whatnot? How does that all work with your job? Yeah. No, I mean, I would say most of the, the conversations are with, with my counterparts, you know, assistant GMs. But, you know, since I've been around for a while, I've got a lot of people that I've worked with that are GMs now. So I definitely have interaction with, with guys that have moved on to be GMs and various teams. Um, you, know, uh, you know, people text so often now. There's a lot of texts that fly around, group texts, you know, poking around, asking questions. It might lead to... Uh, you know, a further question with, with Kevin or, or, or even potentially somebody else in the organization. I think the league works, uh, you know, there's a lot of relationships, you know, around the league, a lot of, not necessarily myself, but a lot of guys that have played with one another over the years, you know, ex-teammates or whatever, they might feel, you know, more comfortable reaching out via text to somebody that they played with for a few years um, uh, in the past. So, um, it's funny that way sometimes in, you know, in the trade deadline, the information's kind of coming from everywhere. Um, certainly Kevin, as the general manager, fields uh, the calls, uh, you know, predominantly. But, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of poking around the edges, I would say. Does anything serious happen via text or is serious reserved for a phone call? <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, it's funny. Like now, uh, yeah, there's a lot. Uh, that flies around of the serious nature via text. And I, wow. I think that, you know, when that started, um, I remember talking to Jim Rutherford about that. And he, 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 he was pretty surprised by that, you know, but now I think Jim's on board, you know, like, I mean, it's funny, you adapt, you, you know, the, the league changes, you know, the world changes. Um, you know, there's probably too much that goes on via text, quite honestly, you know, but, uh, but that's just, you know, 
if you wind it into developing relationships with players, that's literally the only way they communicate now. So it's like, um, it seems like, you know, at least sometimes. So, uh, so it's funny, but yeah, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot that goes on via text, via group text. It's, uh, it's kind of funny. How okay. many years I'm very away? Soft. Wait, wait, Duffer, because that's with this. How many years away are we from direct message on Instagram or Twitter or Snapchats? Uh, because that's what the kids are doing. <laughs> and 15 years ago, we wouldn't have thought that text messages were going between general managers. So how many yeah. years away before you're snapping one of the assistant GM on some other team? Oh, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know if I'm ready for that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, so. Uh, well, Marty, yeah, Marty, we'll you're see. a gift you're a gift guy like yes. so any of these trade proposals and hockey talks do they come with gifts and emojis and all the rest or is it just straight line to the point we want this guy for this yeah i mean i i you know i think certain guys i don't want to give anything away are more colorful than others so let's leave it at that so <laughs> <laughs> okay last one on this topic for me because i've done it have you ever erroneously texted the wrong group or person in situations like this, because you're talking about, you know, texting an awful lot of different people by the sounds of it. Yeah. You know what I, I did this year. Oh my gosh. It was embarrassing. Um, <laughs> when I was, uh, when I was signing uh, Mark Jankowski for Rochester, um, I had him on a group text uh, with someone else from, from Rochester um, and instead of um, instead of uh, texting Mark Jakubowski, I had texted this person and Mark Jankowski. <laughs> oh boy! So did you uh, did you, you <laughs> did you like uh, tell him he was signed without him knowing because you were telling oh, Mark Jakubowski? It, it wasn't that bad, and it wasn't that embarrassing. It was just embarrassing that I literally did that that I included uh, the player, and it was about the player, which was the funniest thing. So now I joked about it with with Janko, and he was laughing and stuff like that, and then with Mark. So now in my phone, I have you know just just to make sure I don't screw it away. I have you know. Mark Jankowski, player in bold, Mark Jakubowski. <laughs> just to make sure, because if you look at something really quick in your phone and you just like, you just grab it, you know, yeah. and, and you know how when you're typing in names, um, you know, it just, it, yeah, so that happened. So that That's, was yeah. amazing. I was oh. thinking more in the fact that maybe you texted a player, hey, make sure you grab dog food on the way home and you're trying to send that to a family member. And then, you know, that's a, a reoccurring joke over the years because we all have done that. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. Duffer, you're lucky you're not getting my text I sent to my kids. But uh, while you talk about Jankowski, um, are you mad at Kevin now because of all, or maybe mad at the world because of all the COVID issues we're dealing with that you have to work super, super hard, probably 20 hours a day to try to make sure you feel the team in Rochester. Like that's your job. So are you mad at Kevin every time he sends you a text and say, uh, we got to get, you know, this guy up. We got to get this guy up. How does that work? Yeah, no, I'm not mad. You know, it's everybody's dealing with it. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's difficult, you know, Cause then, you know, around the league, we're all kind of, uh, drawing, uh, you know, our, our PTOs or various, you know, players coming in for the short term from the same pool. So it's, uh, it's tough. Um, but no, you know, I'm involved in those conversations. So, you know, we're just, we're just trying to roll with it the best we can each morning. Um, 
you don't know what you're going to get lately. So it's, it's just, uh, you have no other choice, but just to, just to go with it. Um, you know, I think we were trying to, whatever it was, maybe a couple months ago, you know, just try to keep the virus out of the rooms and, and everything. But at this point it's now, it's just sort of managing it. I mean, um, uh, honestly, there's no other way to put it. I mean, we, uh, we know that it's here. And so it's a matter of just making sure and hopefully making sure it doesn't go out of control. But yeah, I'm not mad. You know, it's, it's, I'm involved in the same decisions that we need to bring people up. And, um, but, you know, thankfully, you know, the coaching staff, Seth in particular, you know, we're leaning on a lot of like past relationships, you know, connections to, to guys, you know, do you know anything about this player? you know, trying to bring in, you know, players that can help us on the ice, but also trying to make sure that we're bringing in, in uh, the right kinds of people into Rochester, as, you know, as replacements, um, as needed, uh, so that we're not, you know, derailing too much, you know, what, what, what the coaches primarily have built there, which is, uh, I think, just a fantastic uh, development environment, uh, development culture for the, uh, for our prospects there. Realistically, how many exchanges, either text or sorry, text and or phone calls are you having with Seth on a normal day now? Oh, yeah. I'm, uh, I, I mean, it's like all day, every day into the night. Like it's, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's constant right now, especially, um, just there's so much going on um you know obviously so yeah. but that's, yeah it, it's uh it's constant what? you know and it, you know that's part of it you know I mean there's a it's been it's been great like I uh when I got the job it was fortunate timing I think coming in and having the tail end of last season so I got to know you know I knew Seth a little bit from his previous stops but not really well um you know Adam Mayer Mike Weber Chris Young were there in Roch and got to get to know them sort of on the fly at the end of the year last year before we got to the off season, which I think was really helpful in terms of uh, the off season planning for then this season. Um, if I had kind of jumped in in the summer uh, without that kind of experience of being around the team, you know, during the bubble last year, it would have been a little harder, I think just communication wise and everything. So um, yeah, it's a really enjoyable group to work with. We've got, you know, Pex came in this year, Michael Pecka came in uh, this year, um, you know, uh, hired Marzi to be our director of player development, which has been great, you know, with Nathan Page and team, Tim Kennedy and, uh, and Seamus Kodak, who's, uh, who was already there, um, feel really good about our player development department as well. Um, so yeah, I just, the, the relationship, the, the communication, uh, throughout the organization, I think it's been really good. It's a really, I think, a strong group of people and, you know, feeling good about, you know, the pieces that we're, we're starting to get in place here organizationally. When you say you talk to Seth through the, in the night or whatnot. So I remember last year, uh, we had a little bit of a issue with goaltending. I got the call and they said, Hey, you got to enter the, the NHL protocol, right? To test. And Stinzy, the uh, head athletic trainer told me that you test in the morning, but then you may get your result at 2 AM, right? For the next day. So is the testing uh, faster now? And if, if you're getting a text at 2 AM, 
uh, are you guys then all on the same group text at 2 a.m., like texting with Kevin and with the trainers and the coaches saying, hey, this guy tested positive, like you have to adjust. So um, is it through the night, like in the middle of the night, as everybody wakes up getting the results? Yeah, um, it's recently better at the NHL level now. You know, you guys have probably noticed that. There's is kind of the, the turnaround time is you can do the morning test and, and get it back. Um, That's not the case uh, at the AHL level right now. We still have the kind of one day delay. Uh, so yeah, the, the test results usually come around 3 a.m. So that's that's a, that's nice timing. But you know, uh, you know, probably we don't start talking about it until five or six. So um, and so you know, Michael Dest, a trainer in in, in Rochester. Uh, he and, and, and Kedron and Kent, they've, they've done an amazing job just dealing with everything, you know, um, and a whole staff, you know, equipment managers, they have to be ready for anything. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, well, it's taken what is just an overwhelming job at times, you know, for, for those people um, and just taking it to like two and three levels above that now with all the things they have to be prepared for. Um, But yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, now it's become so commonplace um, that, you know, it, 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 it's not like as big of a deal as it seemed like a, a while ago, you know, when you were waiting to find out in the, in the early morning hours, whether you had enough players for the game that night. <laughs> so it's just, uh, it's just part of the equation now. I mean, we were dealing with it again today. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's, uh, it's just, it's just part of it. So Brian Howdy is the classic example of all of this uh, as a, you know, <laughs> a guy who was working at a restaurant that, uh, that Seth and, and Mike Weber got to know pretty well. And, and yesterday was signed to a PTO and then was the backup last night um, <laughs> is this is, this is ridiculous that I'm asking this, but is, is Brian the short-term long-term solution meaning like a pto can last 25 games is that right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> But are yeah. we not experiencing a goalie shortage in north america like oh, like might yes. brian be around for a game or two and actually travel with the team or what yeah you know we're in the process of 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 solving that you know brian i haven't had the pleasure of meeting brian yet you know uh but you know it's funny you talk about texts and stuff i mean i can't well, i'm not gonna bring it up but the uh <laughs> The actual, I, the actual text uh, from Seth the other day prior to the game was, you know, something along the lines of like, uh, and he, he, he's being funny when he's doing this because he, he knows Brian. He's a really good person. Apparently, I don't know him yet. But he's like in the text, he's like, you know, the bartender has tested in Buffalo and, you know, he's waiting results, you know, and if it, uh, uh, you know, if he's cleared, he's ready to, you know, get a pregame skate for us and back up tonight. I mean, I, I was looking at that and we were laughing about it later. I'm like, literally like, you know, the bartender is going in tonight, you know? <laughs> so, but, um, well, yeah, I, was, you I, know, I mean, it's whatever. I mean, Hey, we, 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 you need, you need somebody. It's an emergency backup for that situation. Um, because you have the testing aspect that is the, the, the part of it. You can identify someone and depending on how physically far away they are, they got to travel in. You know, we've had we've had multiple players travel in and then test positive. So we've learned our lesson on that. We try to do it, you know, there if possible um, before we uh, bring somebody in, especially if it's a longer distance. Um, yeah, I mean, I 
two years in a row here with the goalie situation. I mean, four goalies out. I mean, it's, I, it, it is what it is, you know, I mean, it's, um, it's tough, but you know, at the American league level and you know, it, it, there's ramifications all the way down, you know, Cincinnati, you know, as well, obviously. So it's, it's just, uh, yeah, it's happening all over the place. It's, that's where the stress comes, especially as uh, with the goalies, because it's, uh, you know, we're running out. So, you know, Marty, Jeez. stay fresh. Stay I'm, fresh. I'm, I'm fresh. I've been <laughs> getting on the bike. I'm telling you, uh, new year's resolution was to always be ready. So here you go. Um, I, what would be funnier in a tax, this or that? The bartender is ready to go or the Zamboni driver is ready to go? Because we <laughs> saw that a few years back in the NHL. So what would sound funnier in a tax, the bartender or the Zamboni driver? Oh, yeah, the bartender caught me off guard. I mean, I knew, I knew the story. We've talked about it, but I was looking at that. I was like, can this get any crazier? I mean, what are, what are we doing? But <laughs> You know, you do what you got to do. Like, I mean, it's it's uh, it's not a very unique story anymore. You know, it's part of it's part of our uh, part of our situation now with uh, with goaltending in particular. Like, I mean, it's just you know, a couple guys per team. So you if you if you run out, if you got a virus running through the roster, it can present problems for a position where there's you know such a limited number of guys. Um, so, anyways, it's uh. Yeah, hopefully we, we have a little bit more of a longer term solution. We've got, you know, some options we're, we're pursuing um, right now, you know, and uh, trying to do the best we can, you know, uh, plug holes, bring in the right people uh, to keep things going because, you know, in Rochester, it's, it's been, you know, there's been a lot of moving parts, um, but it's, it's been uh, a really encouraging, you know, season for, for our young prospects that have been there. It's been, uh, like I said earlier, I think it's, um, I've been really happy with the, you know, the, the environment, the atmosphere um, there in terms of making sure our guys, our young prospects are in the right situation to know, um, you know, how hard they need to work on a daily basis, you know, what it, what it means to be a pro and, you know, so there's a little bit of a, all kidding aside, there's a little bit of a slippery slope there. Like, I mean, this can't become a big joke, you know, I mean, this at the end of the day is the second best league in the world. Like, you know, I mean, we're, we're dealing with tough circumstances, but at the same time, this is, you know, this is pro hockey. This is, you know, they're one step away from the NHL. So, um, you know, we're trying to to make sure that uh, our young players understand, you know, what it takes and, and, and that, you know, their habits, their daily habits, their daily preparation, you know, that stuff matters. So, um, and, and I've been really, really happy with the, the work that the coaching staff has done in that regard to instill that, uh, you know, Michael Mersh in particular, um, captain of the team is, is just phenomenal in that regard. Um, you know, he's, uh, he's such a great example for our young prospects, uh, day in, day out, like every day, everything he does, you know, is, is the perfect example, uh, for our young players. Um, and he's probably an unheralded guy in terms of, uh, you know, our fans and, and people, you know, following the Sabres, but, you know, I make no mistake, his, his role in this organization is, is, is a hugely important one. Jason, last one for me would be just to help fans understand the dynamic of what Marty referenced with the trade deadline and, you know, the movement that we see between Rochester and Buffalo and 
where guys, you know, have to be roster wise to be able to play in the playoffs for the Amherst. So let's say the injuries continue. You got a bunch of guys like Quinn and Krebs and whoever else, Paterka, let's say are up with Buffalo. And, and what if they're here for a few weeks or a month or whatever, like how can they get back and play in the playoffs for Rochester? How does that whole dynamic work? Yeah, it's the old four recall rule, which, uh, you know, confuses people even in the league. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, the simple way to say it is that uh, to be el eligible for the playoffs, to be sent back uh, for the AHL playoffs, you would have to have been uh, recalled to the NHL after the deadline. So sometimes if a player is in the NHL prior to the deadline, um, uh, can go down without waivers. Um, or I suppose if someone needed waivers too, someone could attempt to clear somebody. Um, the paperwork would need to happen so that the player was sent down prior to the deadline. So say it's 5 p.m. or 2 p.m. or 3 p.m. or whatever. Paperwork goes in um, and it can be 10 minutes after that the player is recalled on paper. Um, that would count as one of four regular recalls that you're allowed. Um, with emergency recalls, it's unlimited. So if you get into a situation where you're you're below 12 forwards, 60 or two goalies, um, you know, then an emergency recall can can occur at any time in any of those players as long as they remain on emergency, uh, meaning that uh, you know when the players come back, they have to come back down. Um, you know, those players are all eligible to come back regardless of the number. Um, so it, it is a, from a planning perspective, you have to keep in mind, uh, you know, the four, the four regular recalls and you have to plan for that. And if you have anybody that's on the roster prior to the deadline, you have to, what we refer to as sort of paper them so that they're able to go back. So, yeah, um, you know, the division is really strong, you know, uh, we got to get in the playoffs first, you know, with everything that's going on where, you know, so far so good in terms of uh, where the record is right now, but there's a long way to go. Um, and, uh, and I think, you know, it's, it's a, it's a balancing act, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's about development, but certainly, uh, you know, winning environment, winning hockey games, having success together um, is, is helpful uh, to development, obviously. So um, having fun along the way too. So, so we're hopeful that we can get in there, have that experience for, for our prospects, because we think it's important to, you know, hopefully have some success together. Um, and so we're, we're shooting for that and we'll prepare for it, you know, uh, as we move along here. What did you think of your, that's the last one for me too. What did you think of uh, the prospects that got called up to Buffalo? Paterka, Krebs, Quinn, uh, you got to see them a lot in their development the last uh, little bit here. And you guys made the trade for Krebs and Tuck, but uh, what did you think of their time in Buffalo? And, uh, and moving forward, what can we expect from, uh, from their game getting to a, 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 a next level? Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, with Jack's game just the other night, I, I actually, I was really impressed with Jack's game. It wasn't a great game, obviously, for, for us uh, as a team, and, and we had the injuries and everything, but I thought if you concentrate on, on Jack's game, Jack's shifts, uh, the poise he showed with the puck, um, you know, he's, he's, I think, doing really well, has had a tremendous year, um, probably put a little pressure on himself at training camp, um, maybe didn't have the training camp that he was hoping for, but right from day one in Rochester, um, it's been really, really good. So um, for me, like 
they're getting a taste of it. You know, they're coming up, they're, they're getting some games, they're, they're getting their feet wet, you know, um, there's still work to be done, I think, with all of them. I think they know that, too. Like, we're not trying to just kind of throw them in the NHL and trial by fire. That's not really the game plan. The game plan is to, to get them some experience at the right times. You know, sometimes it has to do with, uh, you know, other things going on with, with injuries and opportunities that come up that way. Um, but, uh, you know, what we're also trying to simulate down in Rochester is, is what we hopefully, uh, you know, what the future is for them, hopefully in the NHL someday. So, you know, when they're in Rochester, all those guys that you mentioned, they're, 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 uh, top players on Rochester. And so they're getting used to, you know, being focused on by the other team, trying, you know, teams are trying to shut them down. You know, they're on the ice uh, at the end of the game, trying to score the goal to tie the game. They're, they're playing all critical situations. Um, you know, these kids are young, so they're not really ready for that, even though it's, they're extremely talented um, in the NHL yet. Um, but, you know, it's that process of, of giving them a taste, you know, having that be a motivating factor for them when they, when they uh, are probably back in, in Rochester and letting it happen over time. You know, I don't think there's ever been an example of a player that's spent too much time in the minors. You know, um, I, I, I don't think uh, that's not what we're trying to do, but, but we know the value of learning how to play, um, you know, all situations, play that big role on the team that, you know, we envision for these guys in the future as savers. So um, it's all part of the process. There's, there's other guys as well, you know, uh, Matias Samuelson's had a, 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 you know, difficult season from an injury standpoint to date and has missed out on some opportunities, but when he's played, he's been great. Um, you know, Casey Fitzgerald came up and I thought he, he, he did a really nice job and, um, you know, he's earned that opportunity. So obviously UPL prior to the injury, like there's, there's a lot of good young prospects in this organization um, here currently playing you know, some on their way, you know, not yet signed by the organization. So we feel good about that. We have a, a, a good, you know, group of young players now. And, uh, you know, we're looking to continue to add to that, you know, as we move forward here with more draft picks and, um, and other deals and transactions we're, you know, uh, looking to try to make over time. So um, it's all part of the process. And I, I was really excited about their debuts um, and, you know, look for, big things for those guys in the future. Absolutely. Jason, thank you so much. I mean, I, I, we miss seeing, you know, everybody in their normal travels, but uh, we really appreciate the time today. Terrific insight. And uh, hopefully we'll do it again soon. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Marty. Good to be with you guys. Three Stanley cups on his resume. Wonderful to talk to in Jason Carmanos. Uh, hopefully you learned as much as I did. Uh, that was you know, again, more insight into what they're building, Marty. And we obviously are constantly focused on what's going on around the game of hockey that narrows it down to our three stars of the week. Who you got? Okay, well, for uh, just because you did that the other day with Sesame Street, it was presented by the letter Z or whatnot. I'm going to say my three stars today are presented by the color yellow. Uh, former team of Jason Carmanos, the Pittsburgh Penguins are my third star. They've got Evgeny Malkin now rolling. Latang is looking good. Crosby is midseason form, and they have been really on a tear lately. So I'm saying Pittsburgh is my third star. Again, the color yellow, 
Well, the team that the Sabres are playing on Thursday night, as we record this on Thursday, the Sabres are set to play the Nashville Predators, and they are about the hottest team in the National Hockey League. So the Nashville Predators are my second star. They just beat the uh, Colorado Avalanche in overtime. They've been really, really good since the break. And my number one star, again, brought to you by the color yellow, because his equipment is all yellow, is UC Soros of the Nashville Predators. He has been the Vezina Trophy leading candidate, in my opinion. He faces 35, 40 shots a game and really sets the tempo for the Preds. So again, he's set to play uh, Sabres on Thursday night. So we'll see. The, these three stars have been kind of on the decline after I've brought him up into the world. So maybe I'm reverse ginseng the Nashville Predators against Buffalo. Who knows? I'm trying my best here. Well, we learned an awful lot about players who are at varying levels of their development within the Sabres organization and within pro hockey. But we also learned this week of three players being very close together as teammates and friends off the ice. So my three stars are one of the same in the sense you could call them the three amigos. Uh, you could simply refer to them as stars or wannabe stars of the hangover series. Yes. And it's Ryan Scarfo, Matthias Samuelson, and Jack Quinn. Obviously so much attention on Quinn this week coming up for his first NHL game, but it was made that much more exciting when Scarfo and Samuelson came to be on the glass for the warm-up, wearing the Quinn jerseys reversed and supporting their friend. Yes, a teammate, but friends most importantly. Look, Scarfo, undrafted, 27-year-old, came out of Union College. Samuelson, also a collegiate player at Western Michigan University. He's 21, was a second-round pick. Jack Quinn, a first-round pick coming out of the Ontario Hockey League. Everybody's got a different path. But from what I learned, this has been in place for quite a while, Marty. When they traveled, the Amherst did, to Hartford earlier, yeah. and Jack wasn't able to play because he was recovering from mono, he apparently got a prep school jersey of Scarfos and wore it in support of Ryan, who, of course, he said would go out and score and did score that night. These three are woven. You look on their you know, social media pages and see them reenacting the hangover. You must love seeing this camaraderie among teammates. It makes me remember and live my days in Rochester. So just a quick story. Scotty Nichol reminded me of that just a few weeks ago. My first Halloween party, it was myself, Jean-Luc Grandpierre, Denis Hamel, and Daniel Bienvenue, four French kids, and you know, in their first year playing pro hockey. And at Halloween, we dressed up as the band Kiss. And if there was social media back then, we would have been all over Instagram and everything because we had it down pat. But those three, Scarfo Samuelson and Quinn, remind me of those young bucks that we were back then. And I absolutely love it. Who was Gene Simmons? It was Jean-Luc. <laughs> A big thong. Uh, I think I was Paul Stanley with the star, right? Or was it yeah, Ace yeah, Freely yeah, with you, the star? You, you, well, I, I don't care what. Uh, you would always be Paul Stanley. Like, you, you know. You, okay. you're, well, you're I was Paul Stanley, yes. You're just a beautiful human, Marty. <laughs> Inside a, and out. Well, thank you, Duffer. <laughs> I totally appreciate it. <laughs> uh, but you're not the backup. That is one thing we've, you're an associate. associate. If nothing else, you're an associate in all of this. All right, folks, thanks for being with us. Can't wait to see you again next time on Instigators Overtime, presented by Seneca Resorts and Casino.